If I was on, if I was the Bachelor, if I was on the Bachelorette, I would win that shit. <laughs> Not <laughs> the Bachelor though. What's so yeah. funny is he he oh, always. Oh, the Bachelor, like, I would be the Bachelor. With a bunch of guys. No, yes, and the one girl he's gonna win. And he I'm has gonna win. claimed I'm this win. ever since. <laughs> I actually I've feel known like him. I would, I would win. That's easy. <laughs> it's it's easy to win that shit. And that's on confidence. Yeah, yeah. I'd win. But I am happily married too. <laughs> I win still though. It's so life. funny because the the um, bartender at the bar we were at too earlier definitely thought that Lucas was hitting on on her. Amanda thinks I don't think you thought I was flirting with. No, her, I but didn't. But I guess she did. I think some people think that I'm flirting with them just he's because he's so nice. You know, like call people them by their mistake flirting oh, for being nice all the time. Yeah, 100%. for sure. I like call them by their name, and I'm like, <laughs> "What do you recommend on the menu?" Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> and they're like, he, <laughs> "No, he does flash this, a tit." I, I, <laughs> what's your favorite thing on the menu? And also, can I see your nipples? Like, <laughs> My mom always asks that question. So, what is your? And she always says it like this. So, what is your favorite thing on the menu? <laughs> here's what, how. What do you recommend? Here's well, how he I'm says like, it. Is there anything on the menu that we would be insane not to get? I say crazy <laughs> not to get because I don't because I feel like that is not specific to the person that I'm asking because the person I'm mm. asking will tell me their favorite dish. But what we're crazy not to get, like, what is the dish that this like, restaurant is, is known yeah, yeah, yeah. for or right, something right. like that, you know? So I'm not like, <clears throat> what do you recommend? I'm like, what would just, what would be crazy? Not if but we, then he has this line every single time somebody <laughs> asks if we want dessert. This and is we man don't or woman. Dessert. This is not specific to. No, it is. That's why I, I knew you weren't hitting on her. But, like, people mistake that for that. And so he has this line where. You going to say it or should I say it? You can say it if you want to. I think so you want to. So whenever someone asks, like, if, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I love restaurant dessert. So if I'm the mood, I'm totally getting the dessert I always course. get the dessert. I mean, the, <laughs> the dessert really? course is sometimes the no, best. My takeout for lunch today came with dessert. <laughs> <laughs> whenever I, I get, get hotel, whenever I get hotel room service, I'm getting dessert as well. 100%. Yeah, I am like the person that. on, what is that, like TikTok or Instagram reel? They're like, whenever I leave the house, I'm so guilty of just giving myself a little sweet <laughs> treat. And I'm a little like, treat. That's me. That's me with coffee. Like, I will always. sweet treat. I spend like 15 to 20 bucks on coffee every single day. It's bad. Every anyway, day. Every day of your life. Okay, what are you so I heard this many years ago, and it's one of my favorite things. From your dad, right? Or no? I don't know. I don't think it was from my dad. I thought it just was. Just working in the restaurant industry my whole life, you just yeah. hear shit. Um, I think someone that I was serving said this to me. And so when I don't feel like dessert, and they're like, would you like dessert? I always go, no, I'm, I'm sweet enough. Thanks. You know? Oh. <laughs> but I didn't say. But I didn't say to the bartender, I'm sweet enough. I said, we're sweet enough. I don't know if she like, heard you correctly. And then she's like, oh, yeah, the girl next to you is, is sweet enough for sure. Yeah, like, like, like uncomfortably laughing. Yeah, Maybe. like, kind of I like, think I made and her you're like, it's that. literally fine. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I'm literally married. It's okay. Yeah. As, like, I'm like stuffing my, as I'm stuffing my face with like lamb burgers, like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. But I totally could tell that she was just like a little. I would say I'm off. definitely above average, talkative, and nice. like nice when I'm out at a restaurant. Yeah. Or kind of anywhere. I love that. Okay, but let's actually get into the episode. <laughs> I'm going to give you a formal intro. So Anna Zesba is the founder and CEO of Hooch Booch, a hard kombucha company committed to creating better-for-you beverages from their signature booches to their non-alcoholic electrolyte drinks, Corpse Reviver. Anna started her business when she was 24 years old after she was furloughed from her job. Correct. 
when the pandemic hit. And since then, Hooch Booch has launched in 500 plus retailers in just two and a half years. Ooh. Retailers such as Target, Whole Foods, Sprouts, and Total Wine, the big dogs, baby. Don't forget Red Rocks Amphitheater. And Red Rocks. And today we're sitting down with Anna to talk about how she got here, her story, and her recipe to success as the founder and CEO of Hooch Booch. But... Before we dive in, if you're watching on YouTube, you'd notice that we're actually recording in Blind Tiger, which is Hooch Booch's tap room. And if you're local to Denver, you can come into Blind Tiger and mention code RECIPE for 20% off your first drink or all of the merch that you see around here. And if you're not local to Denver, you can go to drinkhoochbooch.com and use code RECIPE for 20% off of all merch and their non-alcoholic electrolyte elixir corpse reviver. Again, that's drinkhoochbooch.com, code RECIPE. Anna. Thanks for being here. <laughs> thanks for thanks for being at our crib, <laughs> at our recording oh, okay. studio. <laughs> I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you oh, no, for coming Anna. into my home. Someone once <laughs> said the other day that this feels like their living room, but better. And I was like, I see that it. is the highest compliment. I see it. Well, I also just feel like it's so cozy. Like when we walked in, we saw the games that you had over there. Oh yeah. Like it just feels like a cozy, intimate. It doesn't feel like a bar where it's like you know, buttoned up and people have to be like sophisticated. It feels like you can come in, lounge, hang out with your friends. It, it gives friends like the friends mm. cast the and the couch, the, the big card couch. Game, the card games are a great touch. Yeah. We just I, got those. I love, love this space so much. The plants, the, this, this like bookshelf esque situation going on. Love this, love this location. And thank you so much for being available to hang out with us tonight. At your spot. Appreciate you, Anna. <laughs> Happy to be here. <laughs> okay. I think we want to start by asking you, what was your childhood like? Where did you grow up? Mm. Um, I grew up in Minnesota. 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 Um, a little suburb called Egan. Uh, are, you vi- are you a Vikings fan? Do you Skull, watch baby. Oh, yeah. I think I'm going to go to the game this uh, Sunday. Really? Against the Broncos. Wait, it's here? Yeah. That's Vikings fun. play Broncos here. What? Nice. So I think I'm going to go. Yeah, I am a Vikings fan. Grew up in Minnesota, um, in the burbs, and then moved out here in 2014 to go to school at DU and haven't left. What did you major in at DU? Hospitality management and business. Where did the hospitality come in? Like, why did, why hospitality? So I originally thought I wanted to be a biology major, and it literally makes no sense. <laughs> so I got so, into hospitality. So <laughs> that drove me. Just kidding. Um, so then my freshman year roommate was like, I'm taking this hospitality class. And I'm like, what the heck's hospitality? Hospitality is the shit. And it is the shit. And she was like, it, it's pretty cool. The class is going to Vail this winter. And I'm like, sign me up. Count me So in. I took the winter course, which I think was like a two-credit course. And immediately I was like, boom, switching my major. Like, this is mm. for me. And I feel like at first when I told my parents I was going to major in biology, they were like, mm, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. And, and, yeah, and then took the class and I was like, oh my God, dead set. Like, this is what I'm doing and never look back. They do like this really amazing program at DU where you have to do like a certain amount of restaurant hours, a certain amount of like work hours, internship hours, which like makes a lot of sense for hospitality, right? Like you can't learn hospitality from a textbook. You uh-huh. just no, can't. you got to be in the absolute chaotic scene of which is what i love yeah. now I'm, I'm assuming you guys went to veil because we're talking like a billion dollar hospitality industry what was that like yeah i'm pretty sure i remember they had us like write a report on like our dining experience we stayed at a hotel up there like the school has a partnership up there so we stay at the hotel and we kind of like write a review on it and it's like kind of your in it's the intro to hospitality class it's like getting you excited about the program and like introducing you to like what things you look for in in luxury hospitality i think they're one of the top 
I know for a fact that they're in the top 10 hospitality schools in the nation. Mm. I don't know where they fall like at this date. Yeah. Wow. That's Fritz super Noble School of Hospitality Management. <laughs> Would you say that class like really put you on the path of like, holy shit, uh, hospitality is I, something I really love and could potentially start my own thing? Um, yeah, I feel like it was definitely like the gateway. And then I feel like I kind of like dove headfirst into the school and you can't like not love classes about wine and about, you yeah. know, like restaurant. I, I mean, maybe if you don't like that kind of thing, but yeah. I do. And so I found it really fascinating and I was like, this is something I can get behind and study. And then they, it's part of the business school. So then you're also taking like the finance, the accounting, et cetera, which is so nice. Which I'm like so grateful that I have also the business degree on top of it. I mean, That's now perfect. in hindsight, I'm like, hell yeah. But in the time I kind of dreaded it. Did you ever think about moving back to Minnesota after you graduated? Literally never. Yeah. Like, I, like my mom said, when I brought you out there to tour DU, like, I knew you were never coming back. Why DU? Did you just pick it because you like Colorado? <laughs> like, why? Um, so one of my mom's best friends from Minnesota moved out here, lives in Boulder. Mm. And she was like, I want to take you out to visit Julie. We're going to stay with Julie. We're going to tour CU and DU. And, you know, when you just, like, have that moment of, like, it's a gut feeling, yeah. right? And we toured CU, and it was, like, this gross, shitty day. And it was, like, there was no students on campus because yeah. it was, like, a fall break or something weird. And I was, like, ooh. I, just, I thought like, you were going to say a gross, shitty campus. And I was, like, watch your mouth. <laughs> no, it's a gorgeous campus. That's where I went. It's a gorgeous <laughs> campus. But I just, like, got it's a weird. Vibe. Yeah, it was it was the vibe. And then I went to so DU. It was a sunny was a, day. Boulder was, a, was, like, a, a thought of yours? Yeah, those oh. were the top two contenders. And I didn't even apply to a single school in state. I was, like. Yeah, I'm out. You're <laughs> coming back. Yeah, I love yeah. That. Um, And then I think I did like Chicago, maybe a couple of other random schools. But I feel like I was kind of dead set on Colorado after coming to visit. Yeah. And then did you, when you were studying hospitality, you got into the hospitality industry like right after graduation? During. During. So like that's part of the work hours. So right away, I remember going to True Food Kitchen in Cherry Creek, like always when love my mom would come to town, I was like, I love this place. And I remember once when I was there, like asking if they had a, any jobs available and I got a hostess job like right away when I was a freshman, I used to take the bus or Uber Hell randomly. Yeah. And I like got my in with that. And it's like, is this freshman you, year? Of college? Yeah. Freshman year of college. And yeah. like, I didn't, I never meant to work yeah. my freshman year, but I feel like I just dove head first. And I was like, Oh my God, I love this. And then I, I befriended that. like so many of my coworkers. And it was like, I had this group of like older friends that are not like these, like, f like I had like my freshman friends, What's but then I had like design profile again. Your, her You're human design, line, right? Proto I don't remember. Okay, we'll talk about it after. Baby, can't drop the human design bomb <laughs> just on the Not everyone man. knows. <laughs> okay, um, continue. I'll send it to you after. Yeah. I well, I mean, the know. restaurant industry, it's like a melt. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things where just, but that's I, what I reels you in. That's what it I did reels my, you in. my entire life. But I think that yeah. also impacts your decision to stay in Colorado, too, after graduation, because you probably made so many connections. Yeah, I mean, I had this massive network here. Okay, so... Worked at True Food Kitchen. Then from there, this is actually a wild story. So then I got an internship at the Ritz-Carlton Denver. The Ritz-Carlton Denver never did an internship program. I applied because there was like jobs at Four Seasons. There was jobs where you could go to like the mountain towns. And I was like, I want to work Ritz-Carlton uh -huh. Denver. So I applied for a spa concierge job, hoping like someone might reach out to me. It was like the only like valid position that I was like, mm, this could like maybe work and I could stretch it for an internship. Yeah. Right. So applied for, <clears throat> applied for the spa concierge job. I get a call as I'm sitting in the Trader Joe's parking lot. The one in like Greenwood village. Uh -huh. I remember it so vividly. I'm sitting in the parking lot and I get a phone call and I answer it and I'm like, this is Anna. 
And he's like, Anna, this is John Menlingus. I'm the director of operations at the Ritz-Carlton Denver. How are you? Doing well. How are you? <laughs> director of operations. Shooting a brick. Yeah. And he was like, so this actually. This is the Ritz-Carlton <laughs> calling you from headquarters. Yeah, literally. So they were they they didn't have a spa manager at this time like they had just left and so they're like yeah. hi, like building up the spa program yeah um and he was like i would love to tell you a little bit more about the position like i saw your resume blah 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 and i was like actually if you don't mind um i applied because i want to do an internship here and i was just hoping someone would call me i'm at the university of denver in the hospitality program i really want to do like events and conference services is there any opportunity and he completely pivoted the call because he had the decision-making power to do yeah. so. Absolutely. And he was like, hold on a second. This guy, Marco, just started in the banquets program. He's like an up-and-coming, like, young Marriott guy. I think you would love him. I'm going to bring you in for an interview. And Marco, like, literally to this day is one of my, like, close friends. That is wild. And so, yeah, so it completely pivoted. And I still, to this day, work at the Ritz-Carlton Denver, like, on Shut call. Fuck. Okay. This Anna is like has <laughs> seven jobs. <laughs> She not only owns her own <laughs> shit, she still works. It's, but that is that is crazy because that's such a testament to like, if you want to be successful, you got to work your ass off uh -huh. in so many yeah. different angles and ways. So you're still an employee of the Ritz-Carlton. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> and I feel like, would you say it's like, you know, there's there's this conversation of like, is it what you know or is it who you know? For you, what do you think helped you most? I feel like it's who you know. Yeah. I mean, like, you have to have the base knowledge, like, the base layers, right? Like, you can't be an idiot and, like, know people. Like, we all right. know those people, and you're like, that doesn't really work. Like, right. you can get the initial meeting by who you know, and then you continue it by, like, what you know. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, I guess so maybe it's a, a What you a know and both. who you are, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because even if you don't know and you're willing to admit that you don't know, right. people appreciate that. Right. Okay, so then you get the internship. And Get what the happens from there? Um, I'm still working there. So, <laughs> never left. So I worked intern. there like pretty full time. Um, they hired me on as like an on-call banquet server, like logistically, because that was an open position. I got in that way. And then I was like basically an event concierge. So I worked out of the, um, what's it called? Business center at the hotel. And basically like any on-site contact for like events that they hosted there, I would help with. And then I'd also help like randomly serving. And then because they knew it was an internship, I kind of moved around positions like all throughout the hotel. Right. So I did in-room dining. I worked down in Elways. Like they kind of rotated me as if I was in their like Voyager program, which mm -hmm. is like their post-grad program, but it was like unofficial. Mm. So I ranked up like all of this amazing experience in like two years. And I think I got my internship then between sophomore and junior year. Then I went abroad the next summer and then I came back and then I also had this other job in between or after. It was another internship at this place called Bray Whaler. They're a purchasing agent for hotels and restaurants. So basically if you take a hotel or restaurant, flip it upside down, shake it, everything that falls out, like we purchased. Mm. Right. That so makes sense. got to work on some really cool projects there, but I realized like that's not what I loved about hospitality. Mm -hmm. Like getting furniture from point A to point B, I was like, gotta get out. That's when I was at my final job before starting Hooch Booch, which is at this company called Access Destination Management Company. It's essentially like corporate events, like on boots on the ground here in Colorado. And then COVID happened. <laughs> and then the world shuts down. And the world shuts down. And you're post-graduation at this point, no? Post-graduation, yeah. So I worked at um, Bray Whaler, which was the purchasing agent, like full-time after graduation. And then I left Bray Whaler and I went to work for this corporate event and planning company. Gotcha. And I was a creative manager there. Were you like, uh, were you laid off from that company during COVID or were you still yes. working there? Okay. Yeah. So you're laid off. 
And so here's you where the have, story begins. <laughs> you could have literally, you're so used to getting jobs, being an employee, getting any job you want. How do you sit down and you're like, fuck it, I'm going to start, I'm going to start my own thing. Well, so the hospitality industry died during COVID. Totally. So what I went to school for, where my connections were, what I knew, who I knew, none of them were working either. Mm. And so I'm like, okay, do I look to other industries? Like a lot of my friends went into like tech sales here, here in Colorado or they just went completely different routes. Yeah, started like and delivering I, packages for FedEx and yeah, shit. Yeah, like <laughs> they just did completely different things. And I was like, God, this like really sucks. Yeah. And it was at the same time, and this is like the perfect storm. Like I just like... I, I think back upon it and I'm like, had these things not happened, I wouldn't be sitting here today. So mayor of Denver shuts down all the liquor stores deemed the Denver prohibition at the same time. So then I go home and I'm like researching, or it was probably already out home and I'm like researching prohibition on my couch. Like what actually happened? Flapper girls. That's cool. And at the same time, my sister was living in San Diego, hard kombucha is like all the rage out there. Oh, and also during this time, so when I got furloughed from my job, I decided to take another yoga training. So mm -hmm. I should back up. I just, I had my 200 hour and I was already teaching yoga. And then I decided to get my 300 hour. So 500 hour certified yoga teacher in the middle of COVID because I was like, I'm not working. This is the perfect opportunity to do it. And maybe I can go, maybe I can do like yoga full time. Mm -hmm. Like maybe that'll be my path right. instead of hospitality. So I got like pretty into a meditation practice at this point. And this is when I'm the name hits me. Hooch like prohibition alcohol. My sister was living in San Diego. Hard kombucha is all the rage. She's like going to June Shine Tap Room on the weekends. Hooch like prohibition alcohol. Booch like kombucha in a meditation. I kid you not. And I could not get it out of my head. Whoa. Did you? <laughs> Here's my question. Did you like always? Okay. So you were working in the hospitality industry yeah. and you were doing that and you loved it. Did you always foresee yourself working for somebody else under a corporation, under like a big organization? Or did you foresee yourself like taking everything that you learned and becoming an entrepreneur one day? I think I always envisioned becoming an entrepreneur. Like I always had like weird Pinterest boards of like yoga studio, coffee shop. Yeah. Like <laughs> checks out. Yeah. Um, but like, I was like, how can I like meld all the worlds that I know? Like yeah. I almost went into wine post-grad. Like, like I have my W set. Like, could I go could I go wine and do like a wine? Like, you know, I'd, yeah. I, my mind was always on that. But I think I always was like, I need more experience. I need to like be in the industry longer. And then COVID was like, just kidding. So you get the idea. It comes to you yeah. in a meditation, which is fucking gnarly. Does the idea or the name just the come name. to you first? Who, wait, so Booch is in kombucha. Hooch is in... Like prohibition alcohol. So like when people are making like bathtub gin back in the day, they called that's it hooch? called hooch. Yeah. Whoa. I did like, not know that. Prohibition alcohol is called hooch. Like that's what it was referred to. Like people are making like hooch in their basements. Like they're fermenting whatever they can find to make alcohol. Right. And drinking See, illegally. And that's like the story of, you know, like Al Capone and all the big mobsters yes. during, you know, the prohibition, like just, you know, rambling hooch everywhere, I guess. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> so then you get this idea. Where the fuck do you go from there? Cause it's COVID. <laughs> Yeah, it's COVID. It's COVID, mind you. So it's like you have this idea, but not only is your regular job and the whole hospitality industry not really working now, but also how do you even go about creating a whole new business in a, in a, in a time where risk was like really not um, outweighing reward for a lot of people? Because I feel like a lot of people yeah. come up with like great names and great, um, you know, ideas. But how do you take 
what hooch booch made you feel like in your gut and your mm-hmm. heart and actually tangibly create something with it. Yeah. So have the name call my dad. <laughs> and I'm like, I think I had brought up like a couple of other ideas too during COVID. Like, I think I had like other like weird ideas. I can't even think of them outside of alcohol. Yeah. Okay. Like, like I don't remember, but weird ideas. Cause he's like said something about it. So now's the time Anna to create. <laughs> no, literally not. He <laughs> shut down all my ideas. <laughs> shut down literally every one of them. So I call him and I'm like, I have this idea for a hard kombucha brand. And he's like, what's kombucha what's kombucha (laughs) i'm like like, exactly and right he owns a brew pub in minnesota okay that's not like his career but like he and like three other dads start this brew pub and he'd been running it for maybe three years pre-covid so then covid hits like it hit his business really hard but that's Mm. not like his sole business it's like his passion project with his friends so Sorry, Dad. <laughs> um, so, is, is that, a real is that brew pub? Did it did it not make it through COVID? No, no it did. Oh, it did. They're still oh, yeah. there. Yeah, they oh, made yeah. it through. Um, so that's cool. So, so your dad has that background of. So that's why you call him because you're mm-hmm. like you have experience. More so, just business experience, right? Because my question is like, how do you take an idea and make it an LLC, and then mm, yeah. make it a product, and then make it something that you can purchase in stores? And then make it into a tap room. Like, how the fuck do you get from there to here? Yeah, All so right. conversation with your dad. How did that one yeah, go? Yeah, so conversation with my dad. He's like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but how about you talk to our brewer? So I, I call the brewer, and I'm like, hey, I've got this idea. And he's like, you know, I don't really know much about hard kombucha. First of all, I want to stop you. I think a lot of people have ideas, and they are um, so afraid to, like, even – you know, um, like shoot their shot with them yeah. and like go call somebody make that call and be like, I have this idea. Can I tell you about it? Can I get your insight? What gave you the confidence to do that? To even call up mm. and be like, I have an idea. I think I was like really bored during COVID and I was on unemployment. And so like, I'm getting paid by the government to like yep. sit on my ass. Yep. And so I was like, I feel like I gotta like do something with this. Like I can't just like waste away and do nothing. Like keep bear in mind, this is like two years post-graduation. Yeah. Like, Filing for unemployment was, like, the most demeaning and, like, I felt like a failure. I was, like, this industry, like, what I'd studied, like, just died. And now I'm, like, I feel like an idiot for, Mm. like, going into that kind of a thing. And, like, I'm, like, surely I can find another job. Why am I filing for unemployment? But it was, like, really, like, it it was, like, dire, you know? For sure. Um, So chat with my dad, chat with the brewer, and he's, like, I think you're on to something. I think you should do it. Brewer, not dad. Dad does not say I think you're on to something. Dad's, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. good idea yeah. and so he's like I think he's like but we can't really help you here in Minnesota like it first of all they're like a, a tiny brew pub like they're yeah. mainly like a restaurant they barely brew anything he's like you got to find someone in Colorado yeah so I, I email 30 brewers and I'm like hi I'm starting a hard kombucha company and I need help brewing what I didn't know was that kombucha is like very potential contaminant to beer because of the way it's brewed, the bacteria, mm. most brewers don't want it in their facility. Because it would be a beer brew pub as well. No, like... That makes they're sense. They're worried that the bacteria in the tank could contaminate their beer. Got it. Yeah, because I've been to a couple like, of... Uh, yeah, I've been to a couple of, like, tap rooms and breweries where, like, the ciders and the sours are in a completely yes. different... Because it. it's a wild fermentation, and so right. they get really worried about it. So right. what I didn't know 
was that that was going to be a potential barrier to entry. And now that I think about it, like taking a step back, I'm like, that's why there's probably so few because it's really hard to get to market. Mm. So I reach out to 30 brewers, one responds and they say, sorry, we can't help you. And I'm like, Oh, great. <laughs> so then I start, I go to the streets, right? I, yeah. I go, I cross the street at the time I was living on South Broadway and I walk into this place called Dos Luces. They're a South American inspired brewery. They do everything with blue corn. I'm like, surely people that are gluten free drink hard kombucha because they can't right. drink beer. Logic. I don't know if that's actually true. It makes sense. Yeah. Though. In my mind, it made sense. So I walk in and Judd is the owner and I'm like, hey, um, are you the owner? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, actually I am. Like, what's up? Bear in mind, all breweries are closed right yeah, now. Yeah. Why was he there? Because they were doing like everyone switched all brewery switch at this time to production to sell to liquor stores. Got it. Makes sense. So liquor stores are back open. Um, everyone goes to liquor stores to buy their product. They're not going to breweries. You can't go inside breweries. And right. The, the so innovation in, during the COVID days. Yeah. People had to get even like, like the takeout scrappy. counters and just yeah. like yeah. really scrappy. scrappy. That is so interesting. I would love to know all the things that changed since like COVID small restaurants to now. Go QR to codes. QR codes. Yeah, QR, QR codes, codes. change yeah. the game. Small restaurants go get like contracts with hospitals. Yeah. You know, to like feed their staff. The and innovation stuff. is insane. So yeah. much innovation. So he's from like COVID. hand bottling when I go in there. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, like, hey, so you're the owner. And he's like, Yeah, I'm the owner. And I'm like, hey, so I'm starting this hard kombucha company. Do you think you could help me? And he was like, um, I were have you nervous no or were you just like, I'm no, gonna I shoot my I shot? No, I think I was just like shooting my shot. Yeah. Like, I'm I like, love whatever. that. So yeah, why I'm not? Like, you got nothing to lose. Yeah, nothing to lose. So I'm like, hey, I'm starting this hard kombucha company. Um, can you help me brew? And he's like, well, we're a very tiny brewery, as you yeah. can see. Um, let me think about it. Mm. First spot I go into. And it's not a no. Not a no. He goes, come back in a couple days and like, show me like a plan like what you want to do he's like i don't know how to brew kombucha but i went to school for fermentation i kind of know what i'm doing there you go um and i'm like gold (laughs) he's like i cannot produce for you we don't have a big enough space but like i can help you with recipes like right the recipe so i'm like golden come back in a couple days i like have this plan out for him and what's he's the like, plan out though? This, yeah, you, what's like, the plan? What, like, what's what? the plan? I, I should find it on my computer and show you. <laughs> it would be, it's, so I, I am that. not like a paper person, like, um, like words, like yeah. copy. I'm like visual. Yeah. So I'm putting together this like mood what? board. <laughs> mood board. It's yeah. like a mood board. But here's the <laughs> other thing. I inspired him with my mood board. <laughs> that is sick. <laughs> but here's the other thing. Like how much did you know about hard kombucha? Nothing. So did you, you even drink kombucha? Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. Okay. I did. Okay. Um, she taught yoga. Always, yeah, I've always been into like health and wellness. Yeah, yeah for so, sure. Um, so <laughs> it's just so funny now thinking about it. Um, so I come back and I have my mood board of sorts. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, so we're going to do this thing? Uh-huh. And he's like, yeah, um, how does 20 bucks an hour sound like for me to help you? And I'm like... I'll see if I can make that work in the back of my mind. Like, oh, that's definitely going to work for me. Yeah. Right. Um, like, I think at the time I was making more than that at the Ritz. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. Like, this guy's just, like, wanting to help me. Yeah. I love so I'm like, that. okay, amazing. Um, I'm like, what do I need? So I had I had ordered at this time, um, a ho- uh, like, kombucha homebrew kit. And then I went to the homebrew store and I was asked, like, picking their brains on a couple of things. So then they're are like, you just try like putting this all yeast, of this on a credit card or are you using your unemployment to get all of it? I was, like, using my unemployment. Yeah. I think I had accumulated, like, $30,000 in my bank account before COVID hit. There you go. So 
gone. Save yeah. your money, kids. <laughs> Save your money. Because you never know when the world's going to stop and you can create your own business. Yeah. So through this like process, all of that, are yeah. you just like so excited at this point? Like, or are you still kind of like, uh, I'm just kind of fucking around? I think it was kind of like fucking around, but I was also like dead set on making it happen as quick as possible. Like I wasn't going to be upset if it didn't work. And also I really had nothing to lose. Yeah. At this point I was still on furlough. Like I was planning to go back to my other job whenever the world came back together. Um, and yeah, like I was doing my yoga thing. Like I had a lot of other things going on that I was like pretty Which happy with. I was teaching do. a lot of corporate yoga yeah. and I was making good money teaching corporate yoga because yeah. cool. they're paying like two, 300, 400 bucks for a class. And like the Ritz was hiring me to teach there. Um, all of the corporate clients that I had so were getting reaching creative. out. They were all reaching out for corporate because when the world shut down, everyone was like, we got to offer our employees benefits. Right. We got to do yoga at home. We got to keep these people moving. We got to yeah. get them motivated. Totally. Yeah. So I was teaching so much online. That's yoga. interesting how you're still, you're like making bank with yoga and you're still not like this, this yoga thing is what I'm going to do. You're, you're still, you still find this. Yeah. One it's like thing an like, itch mm. you needed to scratch though. Yeah. Like you I needed couldn't to see get like it out of your head. Gonna, yeah. Like right. I needed to see if that was the path, but then it just didn't really end up being the path. Like so I you, you officially hire like this so, yeah, guy. So this guy, yeah. Jeff. Employee so, number one ever. Yeah, so he's like, well, he, he was like kind of a contract brewer at the time. So he's like, go to the homebrew store and buy all these things. And then we just start looking shit up online of like, how could we ferment this? Like da 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 da. And so I think I bought tea in bulk. I bought sugar from, I'm pretty sure Trader Joe's. Um, I went to the homebrew store and I bought the yeast. They, they gave me a bunch of different yeast to try out. You can do like a seltzer yeast, an ale yeast. We landed on a champagne yeast, which is what we brew now. But we tried out a ton of yeasts and then we just like got flavors. Like it was like, I, I don't know, it, it kind of happened pretty quickly. And I'm pretty sure I did it for like 200 bucks for all these batches. Like it was not expensive. And different flavors within these batches. So we made the same base and I have like this spreadsheet on my computer that had every single recipe tab like on Excel and I think we got to batch number like 23. Like it Did didn't you take just that go long. back every day? Yeah, we I went there every day. Every single day. We would just sit there and kind of like hang out. Like we became really good friends and just sat there like brewing, brewing, brewing. And then finally like nine months later and i'll tell you kind of what happened during those nine months like the rest of the things that had to come together nine months later and then we left and we went to a production facility and i took the recipes and i was like okay this is amazing like good to go and that was it like i never owed him anything more than that like it was just like the hourly work that he did um unfortunately their brewery closed like this summer he actually asked me if i wanted to buy it and i'm like i'm not gonna buy your brewery like i don't have the money number one and number two like you don't have any production capability in most of our business right. is like distribution. Right. Um, but like a really cool brewery and a really yeah. cool spot. But like, yeah, COVID was really hard on businesses too. Um, but like every once in a while I would go back in there, like bring him Christmas gifts and Aww. just be like, you know, thank you. And I mean, we talked this summer when he was selling his business and he was just like, you know, I've got two kids. Like I, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Right. Kind of a thing. What was the um, first flavor of Oh yeah. Pooch Pooch? Okay. So come back to the mood board. So the mood board is like I see like pineapple for some reason. Mm, no, no. Oh, the mood damn. board is like, like old fashioned, dark, right? moody, like like okay. it's so Easy. different. Speak like easy. I'm I'm trying to pitch to my dad like why this idea is gonna make sense. So I'm like white space, clean, fresh, fruity, and I'm like dark, moody, yes. flapper, speakeasy. Yep. Like that's gonna be our differentiating factor. But it's so that's genius brilliant. because it is, and. I mean, even when we first met, because you were on my like very first podcast yeah. that I ever created like a couple years ago, I was so enthralled and just like invested in the story because 
one, it's such an amazing story, but two, the, I've never seen branding so eloquently executed and mm. like every detail is, is so intentional yeah. and there's such a story behind it and you're so consistent in that story. Everything is 1920s. Everything is po- prohibition. Speakeasy. Like it's just, it, it is so, oh, just like perfectly executed. Thank you. And it, and it, and it does stand out because if you look in the shelves, everything is fruity. And white and white and flowers and just like drinking it in the summer. And it's like, no, that's not what this is. And it would be easier, I think, to do those things. Like we're here in Colorado. Like I so badly like want to put on our feed like, oh, like people like drinking skiing. But like that's just not our brand. Yeah, Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And it doesn't align. And so it's like that liquid death water, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. why is liquid death? So because it's different. It's different. It's like grungy, moody. And I feel like that fits so well with almost the Denver, Colorado vibe. Um, But yeah, I love that that mood board. It makes a lot of sense. Like mobster. Oh, yeah. Okay. So back to the flavors and the mood board included. Um, the old fashioned had to be on there. So I was like looking up all these different classic cocktails and old fashioned like really stuck out. And I was like, there is nothing like an old fashioned kombucha on the market. We were literally, and still do to this day, soak the batch in oak chips, orange and cherry to like mimic an old fashioned. Like no one's soaking their brew on oak chips. How like, drunk were you getting every single day? Just testing <laughs> like, all of it. Like kind of decently <laughs> drunk. Like I remember leaving and being like, ooh. Um, <laughs> but it like it was just chill. Like COVID was so chill. Yeah. Like, for me at least. Yeah. Um, and so we were okay, pregnant so with our first. Yeah, you were pregnant yeah, with yeah. our first yeah. child during COVID. Yeah. Old fashioned and bees knees. I was dead set on those two. Like because they're like recognizable cocktails. And, they like, were so different in flavor. And then Clover Club came third because I was like, I feel like we need something like fruity. And so I found the Clover Club cocktail. The three fit together. Launching with three felt right. And so we just started with the three. And so we basically had like the same core batch and then we would like pull off and like flavor from there. But I think back to your question about like the other elements that had to happen, like filing for an LLC, like, you know, legally getting into alcohol, you have to do a lot of like legal things. So we leave Dos Luces, I leave Dos Luces Brewing and go to Woods Boss Brewing, which was the first brewery that did all of our product. And that's a big production brewery. (gasps) They're not that big. No. They're like in five points. They're like a you know, like any brewery that you would see here in Denver. Like How they, do you facilitate s- that conversation with, hey, I have these this, these recipes, right? It was really hard to find a contract brewer because no one wanted kombucha in their facility. So Judd knew them, and I had been on, like, an industry chat. Like, I was, like, trying to, like, meet brewers in the industry. And I'd been on this industry chat, and one of the owners was on it as well. And I reached out to him after, and I was like, hey, would you be willing to do this? I think that they, like financially wanted the help during COVID and like wanted to help me. And so I sat down with the brewer and one of the other owners met with them. I I kind of chatted logistically. And then at the same time was also like chatting with this like fermentation gal that was doing a lot of studies on like kombucha fermentation Mm -hmm. and like, could it impact beer? She was kind of in the beer industry. She ran this like whole lab and basically showed like, these are not going to contaminate your beer. Mm. Whoa. So she did that to help you. Yeah. So she does this to help me. And I then presented to Woods Boss and I'm like, hey, these are not going to contaminate. Can we brew here? Whoa. And they committed to saying yes. Yeah. So this was nine months later. So then now we have to scale up those like small batches to the bigger batches. And so we take, I go over there. Now every single day I'm at a new brewery trying to figure out how to make the shit that we made before at this new facility. Bear in mind, I am not a brewer. Mm-hmm. I'm not a sci- Like, I really don't like science that much. Biology major. I was about to say, hence why you left <laughs> biology. Yeah, like, just, like, don't really. And so I'm, like, buying this, like, hydrometer that tests, like, the gravity. And I'm, like, you know, like, 
It was like science. Okay, lab. Anna. It's way more science than it is like yeah. right. mixology. Right. You know, like it's really like it comes down to a science and getting the alcohol. So then like basically scaled up everything there. And then nine months later, we're brewing our like initial batches to launch in the market. So then we also had to do like, yeah, the branding, the cans, like the TTB, which is like the governing body over alcohol. We had to like submit all of our labels, submit our formulas. Um, I hired an alcohol attorney because we needed it and Woods Boss mm. connected me to them. Makes sense. Um, and then I just started self-distributing. So I just like took to the streets on my own. Yeah. When you get we that first yes from Woods mm. Boss, yeah. Woods Boss Brewery. Yeah. Um, what was that like for you? What was that feeling? Did you celebrate or were you just like, holy shit, this is real? Like, like let's to rock. be able to brew with them? Yeah, just getting that first, you know, like almost bringing this idea into reality. Like, wow, I'm about to get, you know, my first actual like six Product. pack. Yeah. And, you know. And it was like pallets. Um, it was really exciting because it was a long process to get there. I reached out to so many brewers to see mm. if they would brew for us. Like, it was like, no, 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 yeah. no. And so finally they were like, maybe. Yeah. And I was like, maybe. Yeah. Um, how much kind of does, like took it and ran How much it. does something like that cost? Like, what is a, if I may ask, like, what are they asking I for you think from you? Each batch was maybe like per flavor, like $7,000 to 10000 For they how many? a smaller batch, a couple pallets per flavor. So it was like a decent amount. Like it was going to last us like a good amount of time, mm -hmm. depending on how quickly we were going to move it. And I didn't really know. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe like the first run was like, I don't think it was more than like $15,000 to get started. Were you doing this all on your own or did you have people helping you? All not that, no alone. Yeah. So you like, you, you, I mean, not one employee at this time. No. Okay. So then you get everything and you take to the streets. What's that like? <laughs> so what you just got a bunch of like streets. So that's when I hired someone. Okay. It was okay. like kind of part time. So I kind of hired two people part time. Shannon was a close friend of mine. She was also in the hospitality program. She's still with Hooch Beach to this day, our longest standing employee. We used to walk Wash Park every single morning and I was like ideating with her at Wash Park. And she was like, Hey, like, I kind of just want to be involved in this. Like, yeah. I don't really know in what way, but like, you don't have to pay me. I just want to be involved. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, so she kind of was helping like operationally and like with like launch events and just like random shit. And then that's when I hired Gracie, who I also went to college with. She was a close friend um, and hired her to do all of our, like she was a sales and marketing manager. So she was doing, helping out on the road with sales and then doing our marketing on the back end. Cause I was like, I can't do this right. myself. Like I need help. So I would like basically take the product like a four pack and I would walk into a liquor store and I'd be like, Hey, I'm Anna. I just launched Hooch Booch. And it was really only liquor stores because bars and restaurants still were not open. Right. Um, went to liquor stores. I was like, Hey, I'm Anna. I'm Colorado local. I started a hard kombucha company. We're one of the only, we are the only local option. We're classic cocktail inspired, which everyone was like classic cocktail, hard kombucha. Whoa. And now so many brands have cocktail hard kombuchas, which is funny. Not necessarily classic, but, like, a lot of them have cocktail kombuchas. Wait, which ones? Um, I think Giant has, like, a mojito flavor and a Mai Tai. Mm. Um, I mean, Junshine came out Junshine came out with their, like, full-blown cocktails, which is different. But I think they also have, like, I guess they have, like, a Pog pineapple orange guava. That's, like, a juice. I think they have, oh, they have the Midnight Painkiller. Interesting. How was the initial feedback from the first, you know, handful of liquor stores that you walk into? You know, you've never, this is like now you're going into sales at this point, yeah. right? Ops is done. Right. Kind of. What was the initial feedback from these liquor store owners? 
um, most of them were like really interested in it. They yeah. were like, That's yeah, great. they were really interested. Hard kombucha was like still kind of like up and coming yeah, here in Colorado. Like three years ago, no one really knew about hard kombucha. And a lot of places still don't know about hard kombucha. The first time I had a hard kombucha was when Lennox was, remember we went to that place in Golden, that tributary place in Golden oh, with yeah. Lennox. And I had a little hard kombucha. I think it was giant. That was, mm-hmm. it, that was 2020, yeah. 2021. There was like nothing. Yeah. And so they were really interested, but I think what they liked was one, that we were local and two, that we had the classic cocktail focus. Yeah, for because sure. It was different, yep. you know, like they could, they didn't need to like, yeah, it was just different than what. Well, and you had. also, did you always have the <clears throat> dare to go harder on always. the, so that's the other thing is not only can people buy the hard kombucha on their own, they could also grab a, a, it was an upsell a bottle. Option. Exactly. And we were the only ones at eight and a half percent. Yeah. Everyone else was like five and a half. And that was intentional. I was like, if we are going hooch, like prohibition alcohol, we're going hard, like dare to go hard. We are getting people fucked. (laughs) Yeah. Like we're going high alcohol. Like I was like, we have to be different. Is that a, like, is there a certain (laughs) amount that you're allowed to like be at in terms of alcohol content? No, baby. There are, there are beers and alcoholic beverages that i mean way higher yeah. really? i don't know what the limit is but i mean there's like imperial there ipas at like yeah. 13 14 percent yeah, really for sure i think for certain states and certain stores you have to be at a certain abv to sell in but i, I honestly don't really know do you remember your first liquor store that was like yeah let's do it um i remember like the first five because i self distroed to five for like quite some time bonnie ray liquor corks on platt street um Country Club Liquor, this one random liquor store that I don't remember the name of that is no longer in existence, and maybe, like, one other spot. That was it. I had, like, literally five stores for, like, the first month, and that was, like, all I was doing. And how does that work? They literally just buy your products. So we were self-distributed, so we got the license, a wholesale license to be able to self-distribute. So I'd bring in the product. I would invoice them on QuickBooks. Right. And they would pay via check or via QuickBooks link, and that was it. And at this point, what are what are your dad's thoughts? Like, is he like, holy shit, we've got something going here? I think at that point he invested money. Like he, I think I was like, I need money for this production run. Like that's I was, what I was going to ask you. Did you have any investors? <clears throat> Did you do that? Like, talk to us about that. Like, what is that like? Because I mean, I feel like now you have had um, like uh, experiences where you've gone to other, you, you've gotten other funding opportunities. Yeah, so when I started, because I was on unemployment and I was the only person employed and I wasn't really spending that much money, I didn't need any money. Right. Like, nothing was expensive that we were that I was doing. Um, like, the initial batches weren't that expensive, like, setting up an Instagram. Like, nothing really cost that much money. But then when, when it came to the production batches, like, you know, a couple tens of thousands of dollars, I needed the money. So then I called my dad and I was like, hey, I, I need some money for this business. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't remember. I think he gave me like 50,000. Yeah. yeah what, what's your, what's your advice to young entrepreneurs that don't have the money themselves, mm. have an incredible idea and need to find the money somewhere? Like what are your, what's your advice to them? I would say one, be as scrappy as you possibly can. I think a lot of people want to go and like find like the coolest agency around town to mm. do their branding. And like I hired a friend who was a freelance graphic designer that I knew was like really talented. Um, I think there's a lot of ways you can like be scrappy and like save the funds because you're first testing like product market fit. Like don't go spending all of your money if you don't know if there's a market for it. And the only way to really know is to test it mm-hmm. and to get your product out there to see if people are going to buy it off the shelf. Um, but I would say like, 
I feel very fortunate in the fact that like I didn't have to go find outside investment to start. And so, um, I mean, it would just be like I am doing now, which is like going out to raise money, which essentially you're putting a deck together, you're reaching out to investors. I remember my freshman year of college, taking the intro to business class, the professor said, when you're first starting to look for money, you always go to the three F's, friends, family, and fools. And that's like where you go first. And <laughs> I so I that. would say that it's like an angel investor. Like who do you know of your parents' friends, your cousin's friends, your brother's friends that might have a little extra money that they want to throw you. And don't be afraid to ask, right? Yeah. And that's the hardest like part. That, I feel like that's the biggest. And I still struggle with that yeah. now. I, I definitely do. Um, but you, you have to be bullish in your ask. And, and offer an opportunity that's hard to say no to. Right. So when you're offering, like, what do you say? When you, what is that offer you're giving them? I think it's different now, like, where we are at in the right. business than, like, early stage, which we are still early stage. But, like, first I would be like, I don't know, you have 5000 bucks. That you want to give me? 15% of the company. Yeah, but not giving it all away. And yeah. so that's the other thing is I think people get really excited about the money that could potentially be offered to them. And then they end up diluting their company and they've gotten no say. That's, say. that's what like. So maybe like take out a loan. Like mm. if you can. But Did you ever consider going on Shark Tank? No. But now <laughs> I have. Now I have. Because that would be amazing. Because every brand that goes on Shark Tank like Gets makes it big. Totally. And not it's even. I don't think I've ever it's seen. It's exposure. I don't think I've ever seen an alcoholic brand I haven't either. Shark, Shark Tank. Tank. So you could go on Shark Tank. Your girl. Um, I might. I you might should. try to apply. You should. You should. I don't know why you haven't already. I mean, I it's a, it's, it's you would, such a brilliant you would, and story. And you would get airtime, hundred percent, because you're a female-founded business. You are in alcohol. You have in alcohol, and you have a brilliant product. You would totally get airtime. I I'm thinking about it, but add, add it to the list. <laughs> Whoever's listening and knows a producer at Shark Tank. Yeah, yeah please hook, hook a girl okay, up because we're on marketing. Yeah. Obviously now you're in Target, you're in Whole Foods, you're in like these big name, you know, stores. What? I'm I'm so interested in marketing because I think yeah. like you could have a great product and shitty marketing and go nowhere. So for you, what have you noticed works with marketing? And then what maybe is has been like the biggest challenge with marketing? Mm. Um, what I've noticed is that you have to dumb shit down for the consumer. We wanted to be so cool and be like, clover club yeah. and bees knees and we have our lounge lizard and people are like what the fuck is a lounge lizard <laughs> yeah, yeah. i'm like duh it's our take on a polola <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> read between the lines yeah. no consumers can't read between the lines and you only get like a split second of their of their eyeballs when yeah. they're in, when they're in the store and you're you're vying for their attention between so many people so one it has to stand out and two the messaging has to be clear it, it it's cool if it's cool but if the consumer doesn't know what it is. Yeah. They don't, they don't know why it's cool. Yeah. Um, so clear on the messaging and concise, I think like we amplified like the size of like the 8.5% to call that out and like highlight the points that your consumer is looking for. Like a health conscious consumer, they're looking for gluten free. They're looking for vegan. They're looking for lower sugar. You know, they're looking for those elements. So if you're targeting that consumer, you need to have that on your packaging. And then I would also say there's a lot of storytelling that has to be involved. Like, mm -hmm. and I think that's something that we kind of like waver between, like, sometimes I feel like we're really good at it and we lean deeply into like our story. And then I think there's other times where it's just like putting shit out to like put shit out. And right. that's when I feel like it doesn't land and it doesn't hit. If like, if we don't understand the messaging and we don't know what we're doing and the why behind it, it doesn't, it's not going to land. It also helps that 
your labeling, like the actual physical can itself mm-hmm. is the coolest fucking yeah. looking can oh, I have ever seen. How does this label right here, who designs that? And like, the mood what board, is baby. that process? The mood board. Like? Yeah. Okay. So my friend, Anne Marie was our graphic designer. So she, so we like know each other through like mutual friends and family. She, I like asked her if she would do it. She's a freelance designer. She had gone to school for design, but she was a year younger than me. Mm-hmm. She's also very young, but very talented. And I was like, Hey, I want you to design this product. And so she, she was like all in cool. I don't even remember what she charged me, but it was like way less than what we would have paid for an agency. However, I had to do a lot of back end research to be like what legally needs to be on there because mm-hmm. I have to relay that to mm-hmm. her. She's not the expert. She doesn't do packaging design. Mm-hmm. Like she, she was graduating college at yeah. this point. Like she had no, idea. like she was a great designer, but didn't know what it didn't know what she didn't know. And I didn't either. So I'm like Googling, like, and I'm going to the store and buying all these beer cans to like <laughs> turn the label and be Hell like, Oh yeah. shit, we need that. We need <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> and then adding that in. Yo, that's um, crazy. And the mood I love board, that. The mood board had like old apothecary bottles, but also it had old apothecary, but also like art deco line work, which was really big yeah. in the 1920s. But we didn't want to go like Gatsby, like kitschy. Yeah. Like we didn't want to go like black and gold, like ritzy and glammy. Here's the other thing is I think hard kombucha is the easy grab for women, for females. But what I love about yours is like the dark green moss. Like yeah. that looks manly in sexy. a guy's hand. It looks sexy. That was intentional. So it's, and it's not just for women, which I think so many like – I just think so many women go for hard kombucha, but you're opening it up to to both, you know, which men was and intentional, women. yeah, for sure. I remember thinking about it, and I, and I remember asking people like a bunch of questions, like one, like when you sip this, like what color do you imagine the can to be? That was a really good question, That's and we we still do that, like with our lounge lizard, we had people sip it, and we're like, what color do you think it is? And then we started Great. to narrow it down, narrow it down, because people want to, like, if the lounge lizard, like a tequila paloma was in like a blue can or like in like a black can you're like that doesn't make sense like the liquid has to match the design um yeah so and then I started asking people and I think a lot of my guy friends which were like you know young 24 year olds at the time were like yeah like hard kombucha is cool but like I'm not gonna pick up that floral can yeah (laughs) but like and then, and then I would have to pull it out of some people. Like, they didn't really want to admit to it. Yeah. But, like, they knew that they were never picking up, like, Well, that. I don't think it's actually an intentional thing. I think it's no. very subconscious of, like, men won't go for the floor. Like, they're going to go for the beer, you know? I think it's very subconscious. It's subconscious it's because it has been ingrained. Exactly. What, what did your mom drink at home? What did your dad Wine, drink at home? Beer. And exactly. I think also a lot of people... You know, when, you know when servers do that at the restaurant and they bring the, thing, the drinks out to you and they assume... That they know who it goes to, yeah. and then you like you're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. you're like, I got the martini. I'm like, I got the martini with the Hawaiian umbrella. <laughs> yeah. That's literally uh, great. <laughs> and Amanda, you know. Uh, but also, I think people that aren't, you know, especially like younger drinkers, yeah. right? They're they don't know a whole lot about what the fuck's going on. So no a lot of idea. times, you're like looking at the labels. What yeah. looks cool? Yeah, you know, it matters. Yeah, it matters. Yeah, and so like I. I think the one thing I want to pivot into is you still teach yoga. You still work at the Ritz Carlton. Yeah. How the fuck do you do that? It's so interesting because I think about it a lot and I'm like, should I like, should I give them up? Like, should I stop? And I think for yoga, like the answer is easy for me because 
uh, it, it gives me a moment to get out of what my normal thoughts are about hooch booch because when I'm not doing anything else, I'm only thinking about hooch booch. Like mm, it's like a problem. Yeah. Like, yeah. But I think most business owners would probably say the same thing. Like I'm always thinking about my business. I think so too. Um, when I teach yoga, I'm thinking about teaching yoga, yeah. sequencing the class, thinking about the playlist. And that's like my time that I get out of it. And I just, I feel like it also brings like a different community or like a community that can also be supporters of what I'm doing because they know and they're like involved in what I'm doing. And so it kind of like uplifts both. The Ritz, um, I get insane Marriott discounts and the money is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So I work there once every like, don't tell them, once every like six weeks to keep my benefits yeah. there. Love it. Because I get really good Marriott discounts and it's great for traveling. It's also great for my business. Like if I'm going to go stay somewhere, I get, I get to use the code. Like my family gets to use the code. My friends and family get to use it. Like it's, you guys can use the code. Like it's a great perk for not having to like really do that much. And same with yoga. Like I feel like because I've been teaching for a while, like I can sequence things pretty quickly and I can pull a playlist together. Like it's a, a pretty minimal amount of work I feel like for the output and it just, takes me away from my business for the perfect amount of time. Here's the, here's the other thing though that I, I think is so great about that too is I think so many businesses are online now and they only market online and social media. And I think even yoga and the Ritz, like that's also marketing like yeah oh yeah a tactic too because you can go to yoga and talk about what you do you can oh all go, my friends at the ritz come here exactly so it's it's such a good networking opportunity and i think people don't tap into that like the, the established communities that they already have enough that's really good and it makes yeah. so much sense because it's also great for like your mental health yeah yeah i mean it's you like know, an unplug but a still it's, plug it's an unplug yeah it's like me and sales if i didn't have if i didn't if i wasn't able to cook dinner you know and go to the kitchen and just shut the brain off. Mm -hmm. Like I'd be way more stressed than I am. I feel like the Ritz Carlton also like <laughs> keeps me like on my toes about like hospitality things. Mm -hmm. Like I still know how to like set a table. I know how to carry a tray of glassware, you know, like it's a skill that I feel like just like doesn't run out because I'm still practicing like that muscle. And, and what I really love about going to the Ritz, cause like, I feel like with teaching yoga, I'm still kind of like the boss. Like mm -hmm. I'm telling people what to do mm -hmm. still, but it's in such a different way. But I really feel like when I go to the Ritz, I mean, even I'm on, I'm on someone else's payroll when I teach yoga. I don't have to run that payroll. Mm -hmm. Same thing when I go to the Ritz. I, I literally walk in there and I'm like, tell me what to do. Yeah. And it's like liberating. Yeah. I tell bet. me what to do. I tell bet. me when to show up. Put me on the payroll. Well, I clock in and I clock out. And I think, because again, I feel like you're such a doer. And oh yeah, for self-care, for sometimes for people... It has to, like, you can't just, like, sit down and meditate or, like, yeah. sit down and be in silence and be still. I think stillness is so hard for people who are so used to doing. Yeah. But I think getting out of your own shit and into somebody else's is such a good way to ground yourself, to, like, really de-stress. 100%. There's also, like, different types of my current work that I feel like do that. Like, this Sunday, I just, like, sat down and got, like, a shit ton of stuff ready for, like, our new Corp Survivor rebrand. It was, like, putting a brand deck together and, like, kind of, like, flexing that creativity yeah. muscle that I don't feel like is, like, managing employees. Uh-huh. Was that nice for you? Yes. And it was, like, it doesn't... And I, and I, like, joke, I'm like, well, I'm not really working, but it is work, but it's, like, for me, it doesn't feel like it because it's, like, almost soothing and no one else is, like... No one bothers me on a yeah. Sunday, really, <laughs> yeah. you know? Well, and that was my other question was, what is it like a day in the life for you? Like, I, I know it's so different, but yeah. like walk us through what it, maybe a day as a founder. 
yeah i feel like i'll go through like a week because i feel like a, so many different things like could possibly happen or like could fall on my plate but i would say for the most part like every day comes with like a couple of calls and those calls include like internal sales meetings and internal like one-on-one -on -one with our managers um or like on the outside it's like getting distribution in new states it's meeting with key partners um and that kind of probably fills up like 30 percent of my week then maybe like the next 20 percent is just like answering emails responding to emails maybe like doing inventory sending out reports like just kind of like logistical day-to-day -day operations um randomly i'll like go up to our brewery like if i need to go like taste a new batch um and then i'm working a lot on like ordering like to get a production ready like a production order ready to go it's like i need to get all the cans from point a to point b i need to get the lids i need to get the trays i need to get the everything that goes into one batch so it's a lot of like logistical pieces and then it's managing distribution and our distribution relationships but I would say as our team and then coming here to the tap room and like managing this place like essentially within Hooch Booch, Hooch Booch which we've now kind of like created a parent company name because it got confusing we've got Hooch Booch, Blind Tiger and Corp Survivor like mm. you know those three kind of businesses and so I feel like I have to decide where the time goes to who and when and I'm trying to get better about like delegating things to my employees and having them do it but it's just this weird kind of change of like doing it all to then not doing some of the things but some of the things i still want to do and like to do mm -hmm. but i shouldn't be doing them mm -hmm. right what's that delegating process like like how do you know when you're like okay i shouldn't be doing this this should be somebody else and i should be doing this from a control freak pov <laughs> I think I'm really bad at it. Yeah. Um, and not in the sense of like micromanaging, but I think you could ask my employees. I don't think I'm a micromanager, but I think I like to see everything that happens and that goes out because I'm like, this has my name on it. No yeah. one else's name. Yeah. I don't have more. a co-founder. I'm not part of a corporation. Like it's whatever you. goes out is me. Like that's my name on it. Like I own the business. Um, we use this like managing platform called, well, we do a lot in Slack and then we have this platform called Asana, which basically like I can task people with it on my team. I put their name on it. I put the deadline, which has helped a lot. And then like check it off once it's done. So mm. we're trying to get in the, a, a better process of that. But oftentimes it'll be like slacking someone like, hey, can you do this? Or like, hey, Miguel, can you run to our warehouse and pick this up for the day? But I used to like do all of that. And so I, what I think is the nice part is like every single task that someone's doing there, ha there isn't one that I haven't done, right. like taking out the trash. Mm -hmm. Like there isn't one that I haven't done that I'd be like, I don't know, which I think is so important for a business owner. Mm. Like it would be so shitty if someone came to me and was like, hey, like how do I work this sales deal? And I was like, mm -hmm. mm. Mm -hmm. like, I feel like that's the nice part. Mm -hmm. But here's the other question is how do you even hire? Like how do you go about hiring the right employees to then delegate these processes to. It's really difficult. And I would even go a step further to say the timing is difficult to know when. Right. Because employees are the most expensive thing. Right. They are the most expensive thing that we do. Like we're a very payroll heavy company. We have a lot of product too, like product heavy, but our team is expensive. It's like boots on the ground selling, you know? Um, I would say almost every single, no, every single person on our team, especially our internal team has been a referral. Mm. I've hired from LinkedIn. I've hired from referrals, random referrals. So. Referrals, like the only way I think I'll go ever mm. again. And I think 
that's hard, right? But I think if you have the right network and the right people and you're in the right organizations, you're like, hey, I need someone that's great at this. Can you shoot me a couple of options? Or like, hey, can you put this out to your network? I feel like that's always really helpful. Um, right. If you put together a group of people that you trust and that you know they have your best intentions, they're going to offer you someone that not only will think, you know, they'll think that this person will work well for you. Mm -hmm. They're also putting their name on this person too. Right. You know, they don't want to look bad. I think I go for the people too that are really passionate mm -hmm. and are willing to work hard. I think I've been burned in the past about people that like, like the idea of what a startup is right and like the idea of being at a company that's small but like in reality it's like a true grind like it's not like i'm walking into the facebook office and there's snacks yeah like <laughs> that's and i think people actually do think that and right. it's like mm. no it's like late hours yeah long nights long weeks like yeah. your job probably encapsulates what other companies would have five jobs for mm -hmm. 20 jobs for mm -hmm. under one person like it's not Every single person at Hoochbooch is an entrepreneur in their own space. Yeah. And they have to be. You talked about timing, and I think that's really relevant and important for people to hear because I'm sure there are people who are listening who want to be entrepreneurs or maybe are entrepreneurs and they maybe don't have the money to like hire somebody on, but they really need to. What would you say to someone who is struggling with that? I think it depends. Like, I think you've got to write out the list of things that they need to do and like how long that's going to take. And like, could it fall under your plate and could it not? Like, I think there's been times when we've hired, when I've hired too soon and it's burned me for mm. sure. And I think that's one of the best pieces of advice I've received is hire slow, fire fast. And mm. I'm really bad at it. I'm really bad at it. Firing people is the for sure worst part of my job. Mm. I hate it because I grow a connection to these people and I care about these people, but ultimately sometimes they're not the best for the business and I have to act as that person. And so badly, I want to be like, God, I wish I had an HR person. God, I wish I had a co-founder to be like, yeah. you do the firing for <laughs> yeah. once. Right. Like it keeps me up at night, you yeah. know? But at, ultimately at the end of the day, I'm like, this is my business. Yeah. Yeah. This is my money. Well, you're this also holding my, yeah. that person back from going on right. and doing something else that could be better for them too by not wanting to just like pull the trigger you know yeah so I'm working on that yeah <laughs> but timing I would say yeah like right like tangibly write out a list of all the things how long do you think it's going to take and I always start people part-time I throw them in the tap room and I'm like hey why don't you start here or hey on our promo events why don't you work at a couple liquor stores on the weekend and then I get an idea of like do they because so many people reach out being like I really want to be a part of this startup and I really yeah. want, and here's my expertise like, hey, and all of the resumes look the same. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I'm like, do you, Yeah. do you? And then I can tell if they do the follow up, yeah. if they're continuing to follow up or if they're willing to do the liquor store tasting, mm. if they're willing to do like the entry level just to get their foot in the door. I'm pretty sure like almost everyone on our team has started that way. Part time. Mm. It's a really good way to vet people without having the full commitment. Yeah. I love that. So, I want you to tell us about a time where you might have burned the dish mm. because I think that that's something we always want to ask our guests is we can talk about success all day long and how you built something, but like talk to us about where it got hard. Right. Because through every, you know, opportunity or moment of burning the dish, like it's not a loss, it's a lesson. And then you take that lesson and it's something that is effective for you moving forward. So what's a time that you can share with, us and who's listening, you know, when you genuinely feel like you may have fucked up, but under the grand scheme of things, it was actually, you're like thankful that it happened. 
I think a couple of times I've burned the dish. <laughs> Let me pull out my scroll. Um, yeah, I've burned the dish a lot. Um, first time I burned the dish was I was out of town for a bachelorette party in Nashville, and we were brewing um, with one of our previous brewers. And I normally like to like taste every batch before it goes out, and it wasn't the normal brewer that it was on the job. It was a different brewer that was on the job and ended up like like not looking at the SOPs, standard operating procedures clearly, and like quite literally like burned the tea, like burned the fucking dish. And the tea, the whole kombucha batch tasted like pennies, like, like metal. And I was like, oh my God, how do we fix this? This mm. is like five, $10,000 worth of product. Wow. We decided to put it in the can, which I wish we wouldn't have because then we wasted all the money on the cans and we ended up dumping like all of the pallets. And I think I'm grateful that we were able to dump it and not send it out to market. But I'm like, oh my God, like that could have been a way more costly mistake. So now I go and taste every single batch before it goes out because I'm particular. And because I'm like, it's so much money that could mm -hmm. be gone when I could just be like, hey, can you just like tweak this? Or yep. like, I should have held them accountable and been like, this isn't to standard. And so now like in our agreements, I'm like, if this isn't up to quality standard by my determination, you know, and it can be a degree of whatever, mm -hmm. but we don't have to pay for it, you mm -hmm. know? And like, I should have held them accountable and had them pay for it, but I didn't. And so that sucked. Um, so now you taste. And now I taste everything before it goes out. And I don't think that'll always be the case, but I think for now until I like gain full trust of like where we're doing yeah. it and how they're doing it. Did you at least have a good time in Nashville? Great time. <laughs> yeah, great time. Um, love, love I remember Nashville. like, yeah, coming back to taste it and I was like, God, this is so bad. I don't know what to do. So then we started dumping a shit ton of honey in. It was the bee's knees and a shit ton of lemon and just nothing could solve the bad. Um, and then I would also say like, this is something that I have a really difficult time talking about, but um, hiring a friend mm. and not that not really working out. Mm -hmm. And I think that's happened in a couple occasions, like one very specifically, but then I think more so than that, just... Um, I think it's something that I'm pretty much committed to never doing again because it's really hard to hold them accountable. It's really hard to enforce things. And ultimately at the end of the day, if things go haywire, like it's heartbreaking, you might lose a friendship and right. I have lost a couple of friendships over the business. And mm -hmm. it's just like that, that is, I think one of the worst pieces about it is like, I have to act sometimes as the business owner and not as Anna, your friend. And a lot of people don't like that. And it does burn bridges quite literally burns lots of dishes. Um, yeah. Don't hire your friends. Good advice. So, I think that's phenomenal advice, honestly. And I want to every time. Yeah. I want to, like, help them by giving them a job. And I'm like, I know they could do a kick-ass job at it. Yeah. I just won't do it again. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a great segue because I did want to talk about relationships and friendships because I think one of the reasons that, like, we jived was because we're both in our 20s and we're both driven. We have ambition. Yeah. We, like, we want to make whatever we're building successful and like you help me, I help you. Yeah. And I think that that's really what like in my stage of life right now that I'm valuing is friendships in my twenties who make me feel like I can be the best version of myself, who inspire me and who like root me on and like cheer for me, you know? And so for you, how do you navigate relationships and friendships being this business owner, being somebody who's so busy, you know, you have three fucking seven jobs at this point. Like, how do you, what do you value in friendships? And also like, what would you say to people who are like really ambitious and driven, but maybe like are not surrounding themselves with the right people or don't have a single friend that like really cares about what they're doing. Yeah. 
I think I've learned along the way that like there will be some friends that get it and some that don't like the ones that get it or like the ones that I will send a message to and I'm just like hey I'm so sorry I can't make it tonight or like you know I feel like I've lost touch with some of them and it's almost like they've fallen off because we're just at very different stages in our lives Mm. like when I was working a corporate job at 24 my life looked a lot different than it does now and like I have to make a lot of sacrifices and I have to do a lot of different things that I just like can't be there. Mm -hmm. And like, you have to understand that that as my friend, like is the situation or like my sister that lives here, like needing to understand that. And I think that has put a strain on our relationship. And I also think finding like a relationship, like a life partner is also very difficult one because like you probably, I mean, I have a partner now, but like dating, Mm -hmm. I would never go on the apps. I would never have time to do that ever. Like it has to be someone that I would meet or just know Mm -hmm. about. Um, and I think, I guess for what I look for is it's like, it has to be kind of to your point, like a mutual feeling, mm-hmm. not of like, can you help me? But like, are you going to be there to support me? Because right. I think there's a lot of people at the end of the day that want to be like, I'm friends with Anna and she does cool shit. Right. And like, they want to be friends with me when like, it's cool. And I have a cool party that we're hosting at the tap room. But then otherwise it's like, no, not really. Yeah. And I'm like, I want my friends to be the ones that I can call up at any time. And I'm be like, life fucking sucks today yep and as an entrepreneur it does suck a lot of days and I feel like what sucks is that oftentimes you have to suck it up Mm -hmm. like for employees for social media for Mm -hmm. for everyone else to just be like it's okay like I got this and psyching myself out to be like no I do have this Mm -hmm. I do have it you know it's like a mindset shift and so I think it's like people that are willing to be on that journey with me right um and the people that so clear it's so clear yeah the people that understand that like you know, yeah. you have to reschedule maybe a couple of times because yeah. just shit happens in your yeah, day. And they're yeah. like, dude, totally get it. It get is all it. good. We will. And the, the friends that no matter how much time passes, when yes. you actually do get that time together, it's like time never did pass. That's probably one of my biggest indicators that I look for in people yeah. when in friends is, are you getting salty if I'm not being able to hang out with you <clears throat> or if I'm canceling plans with you? And if you are... I don't have time for that in this stage of my life no. because like what I say to that is like, you must not be living your life because I'm busy living my life. I have goals. I have dreams. I care about you and I'll show up for you, but I can't make everything. And sometimes you have to say no. Yeah. Like, I feel like oftentimes like the friend group that I had before is like, Oh, Anna never comes to anything. Never like never does this. And I'm like, I feel like I have so much more important fucking shit yeah. going on <laughs> yeah. than like your stupid random Saturday yeah. night, like hangout. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, but like, I feel like I have up leveled. Like, I feel like yep. I have th- this like new set of friends that like push. I think that's also another piece. Like people that push me to be a better version yes. of myself and that ask me challenging questions or that like challenge my way of thinking or like, Hey, have you considered this? Or yep. like, Hey, I could help you with this. Yes. Or like, the friends that are undoubtedly by my side, no matter what happens versus just like, Oh my God, you throw cool parties. I want to come for the cool ones. It's like surrounding yourself with the people who are actually going to help you get to your dreams. Right. Like discuss them, brainstorm on them, but also be like, do you need help with this? Like, can I come? Can I offer my support? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the depth, you know, like sometimes I feel like I will like get back together with a friend and we'll grab coffee and I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> but I don't he, need to do that again no yeah. and I can feel it like so energetically I leave and I'm like I'm such an extrovert that I yeah. I take people's emotions and like yeah. I can run with them like yeah. that's what like juices me up yeah and sometimes I leave and I'm just like 
that was maybe good for that time. Yeah. <laughs> not anymore. Yeah. Love and that. not in a mean way. Yeah, no, I mean. Just real talk, you know? Well, yeah, because, I mean, that's the other thing, too, I think, for people listening. Like, your time is valuable. Very. And if you're spending it with people that are not there to, like, make you feel good about yourself or help you on your journey, then what are you doing? And uh, um, with that note, I would love to talk. No. <laughs> You just, you just saying that. You just saying that note. <laughs> I, had, I couldn't let you get away with that. Change that again. <laughs> that note. That was so good. That was so good. <laughs> okay. Um. On that note. That was pretty okay. good. Okay. What are some like tips and takeaways for aspiring entrepreneurs? Mm. Be scrappy. Mm. I already said it once, but I think you can do so much more with so much less than you think you can. What were the three F's? That was brilliant. Friends, yeah, that was. family, fools. Asking <laughs> for money. All of them. Friends, family, fools. Um, hire slow, fire fast. Um, don't Maybe take money if you don't need it. <laughs> Maybe with like confidence. Anything you would offer for like mm. confidence of like even just starting. I feel like confidence is something that is really hard to learn. Yeah. Born with it. <laughs> yeah, so she's saying if you don't have it. Um, Sorry. I mean, I, th- I, I couldn't uh, agree more. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, the no, it, it's, it's the it factor. You're either born with it or you're not. Yeah. I, here's but the other thing, maybe though. It's like, but maybe it's like know what you're good at and bring people in yes. if you don't have that. Yes. Like bring in a co-founder. Like I'm not saying just because I don't doesn't mean you can't do that. Like there's so many days I'm like, fuck, I wish I had a co-founder because yeah. they would be able to like share in the misery, <laughs> but be excited with the accomplishments. Like literally at the end of the day, you guys, sometimes I'm like, who do I like? I mean, I have people that I go to tell these things to, but I'm like, it'd be so amazing to like celebrate that with a co-founder. Like mm. no one else has truly knows what it's like at all. Mm. What's so silly? What are you laughing at? <laughs> You're singing? <laughs> she can't, can't get over, get over it. Because <laughs> she's probably in her head like, was that really good? <laughs> I know exactly I? what she's thinking. I'm just like, no, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And I'm just like, I don't know. I think it's hit the point of the night where, do you ever just get like so giggly? Like, yeah, Slap I get happy. so giggly about things that are so funny. Oh my God. Sorry. I just interrupted. No, no but I actually love that point. That was point. a good laugh. I actually love that. that. (laughs) I did need that. I love that point, though, about confidence being born with it, because I think you can like I think for some people who have confidence, they can. I mean, everyone who's confident can go through periods of feeling insecure. Just like that's human. Always. always. But I think the thing that helps is knowing that like confidence is the embodiment of confidence. It's not something that like necessarily like I, I do agree with you. There are people who are just confident and that's how they are. But I think for people listening who are like, well, I'm not really, I don't feel that confident. Like fake it till you make it. Exactly. That's where I was getting. I think I fake so much shit until I make it. Yeah. Like I, and also like, I feel like sometimes I act a lot bigger on coals than I am Mm. or, or, like I would never, ever, ever, ever show up to a meeting to like a new distribution meeting or like a partnership looking like this. Mm. Like I know my audience here, like I know we're going to be comfy. We're sitting right. on the couch, but like, I remember in the early days, like trying to land some like big meetings. I'm wearing like a fucking blazer. I'm yeah. wearing my paint. Like there's something to be said about dressing to impress. Yeah. Showing up in the way that you want to be perceived makes a difference. I don't even mm. care if it's on zoom. Mm. do your hair do your makeup like I don't do that every day hell no but like there's certain days when it's like oh this matters Mm. 
I love fake that. it till you make it. I love that. Okay. Love that too. Where can people find Hooch Booch? Where can they buy it? Where they can, where can they follow you guys? What is coming out for you? Tell us all the things. Okay. I'll start with where you can find us. <laughs> um, you can find us in Whole Foods, Sprouts, Target in Minnesota, natural grocers. You can buy a lot of our stuff online. Like I feel like that's like a really good way to support our business is like buying merch. You're literally a walking billboard. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, and you can also buy our non-alcoholic line, Corpse Survivor Online, which we're doing a rebrand of. That's really, really exciting. We'll be launching that, like a big, big blow-up launch in January. Um, and the plan is to scale that nationwide, so that's pretty exciting. Mm. Um, if you're in Denver and Colorado, come to Blind Tiger by Hooch Booch. Obviously, use code RECIPE to get 20% off. Um, what was the next question? What's coming up for you guys that people can keep their eyes out for? Hmm. So Corp Survivor, yeah, our new it's rebrand. It's going to be a big, uh, um, big 2024. Yeah, and we're really planning to like make a big splash with that. I mm-hmm. think we found a lot of roadblocks with alcohol getting new state distribution, and non-elk is just like the wild, wild west. You know, mm-hmm. you can like ship direct to consumer. You could be on Amazon. Yeah. You can get into new states much more easily. So that's the plan there. Um, and then we're coming out with a couple really new, exciting collaborations that I don't want to dive too deep into, but you should keep an eye on our social medias to find out. Which are your social media? At drinkhoochbooch.com. Love. Or just at Drink Hooch Booch. Love. Yeah. Thanks, Anna. <gasps> Thanks. Thank you so, so much fun. for being here. Yeah, and this the way great. we conclude our podcast. So y- as you know, in the, in the hospitality 86. industry. So can you look at the camera and say that this episode is 86? This episode is 86. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs>